Nahel Darwish wanted to spit fire, but unfortunately she did not have that particular ability. Instead, she pulled out the liquid contents of a glass of water and separated them into rather large and ungainly droplets, much to the irritation of her mother, Shahira, who found herself the unfortunate target of the storm. Shahira was leaning against a vanity laden with various concoctions of oils and perfumes. Her arms and legs were both tightly crossed, her forehead slowly setting into an even tighter scowl. Her corkscrew curls, which Nahale had inherited, were pulled back into a neat bun and oiled to a perfect sheen. Slowly, she began to tap her foot in warning. Finally, when Nahale's rain began to pool at Shahira's feet, Shahira clapped her hands together and snapped, Enough! Nahale did not look at her mother, nor did she spare a glance for the seamstress at her feet, who was doing her best to write down Nahale's measurements while politely ignoring the gathering storm in the room. Instead, Nahale stared out her veranda, which led directly to a white sand beach and an expanse of glittering blue ocean. The veranda doors were open, as they nearly always were, bringing forth a warm salt spray breeze and the humming melody of waves. Nahel. She could practically hear her mother's teeth grinding together. With a pointedly loud sigh, Nahel closed her eyes, and the fat droplets returned to their glass, though the puddle on the floor remained. Nahel was nowhere near skilled enough to extract water from a rug. Still, she continued to ignore her mother, who had now begun to pace back and forth around her, skirting the edge of the large four-poster bed behind them. You would think we were sending you off to be executed, not married to one of the wealthiest men in all of Ramsawa, muttered Shahira. And you've met him. You said he was nice, that you liked him. Nahale could keep quiet no longer. That was before I knew I was being sold off to him. The seamstress, a tiny woman of about 40, shot up, sensing the fight's escalation. With a halting look between mother and daughter, the seamstress said, I've finished, my lady. Once I've completed all the adjustments, the wedding attire will be ready in a fortnight. Excellent, said Shahira icily. Thank you, you may go. She did not even glance at the seamstress. Her gaze remained fixed on her daughter, who was now glaring back with equal fierceness. The two stared at each other silently, a battle of wills reminiscent of their many arguments, until the poor seamstress scurried away and closed the bedroom door behind her. This is unjust, Mama, Nahale burst out. You and Baba always promised I could choose my own husband just as Nisreen did. Shahira pinched the bridge of her nose. Your sister found herself an excellent match. You, on the other hand, want to run off and be a soldier. It's an honorable profession, Nahale protested. Honor does not pay debts, snapped Shahira. And women don't become soldiers. I've had enough of this nonsense. We've had the same conversation every day for a month. Because you refuse to listen, Nahale fumed. She picked up the periodical lying on her bed. The words, the vanguard, were emblazoned across the front in bold black calligraphy. Smaller text below read, 
a publication of the Daughters of Izdehar. And beneath that was a black and white photographic print of a young woman holding up a sign that read, Votes for Women. If you would just read it. Why would I need to read it when you've already told me everything it says? Shahira affected a mocking tone in a poor imitation of her daughter. Ramsawa's newly minted Ladies Izdihar Division, the first all-female military division in history. Because you don't actually listen to me clearly, said Nahail irritably. It's the academy that comes first. What's wrong with going to school? It's not, as you so innocently phrase it, just school, said Shahira. It's a weaving academy. What's wrong with learning to be a weaver? <laughs>